Welcome to Illuminating the Scriptures, a study of Nevi'im. In this series, we explore the words of the prophets and delve into the meaning and significance of these sacred texts. Sefer Yeshaya, the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 10 through chapter 12, verse 6, the end of chapter 12. This prophecy is a continuation of the previous prophecy, the beginning of chapter 11, which describes the government under the Davidic king, generally understood to mean the Messianic age. And again, we spoke about this concept that this is a pattern. The governments that oppose God's plan are built on the power of men and the ability of man to crush other people, strong taking advantage of the weak. And the government that God will establish or the God intends to establish to a smaller or greater measure is a government which leans on fear of God, awe and reverence for God, justice and faithfulness. Verse 10, It shall be on that day, the root of Jesse, which is the word that we use to describe the Davidic king earlier in the chapter. Verse 1, that stands as a banner for the nations, the nations will seek him, will turn to him, his tranquility will be glory, will be honor. There's a grammatical problem with this verse because the entire verse is in the future tense and the word standing is present tense. In other words, the, the root of Jesse, that it doesn't say that will stand as a banner to the nation, that stands as a banner to the nations. One way of perhaps understanding this is that already now, even w- way beyond, b- before the fulfillment of this prophecy, the concept of a Davidic king and a, me- and a messiah is something that the nations is sort of rally around and look up to or claim to have, claim to possess. But in truth, they have no clue what it is. But in the future, they will actually seek it, realizing that they don't have it, and they'll want to learn about it and imbibe it, make it part of themselves. In other words, something that today is standing as a banner for the nations in the future will be truly something that they will seek. I don't think that's a simple read on the verse, but... It is one way of reading the verse. A simple understanding would be is that often the prophet goes back and forth with future tense and past tense. The last phrase in the verse, his tranquility will be glory, is understood that most kings, if they're tranquil and they're sitting on their in their place and not engaging in war or taking advantage of the kingdoms around them, they don't get too much glory. They're, they're considered weak. But the Messiah, the Davidic king, just the opposite, the tranquility in, that will be in his time, that will be his glory. Everyone will realize that it's coming from him. It's coming, obviously, from God through him to the people. And it will bring him honor, the fact that there's tranquility. Verse 11. It shall be on that day. Yosef Hashem The master, or God, will continue a second time to move his hand, to acquire the remnant of his nation. In Exodus 15, this is the verb that's used to describe God's relationship with the Jewish people, that he acquired them as if it's his personal possession. 
this remnant that remains, me Ashur, umi Mitzrayim from Assyria and from Egypt, umi Pasreis, umi Kush, umi Elam, umi Shinar, umi Hamas, umi Yehayam. These are names of nations. Some Kush is generally translated as Ethiopia. Elam and Shinar. Elam is in the Persia area of the world, and Shinar is generally translated as Babylon. Yehayam means the isle, islands of the sea. The idea is the the remnant of Israel that will remain amongst scattered amongst the nation. God is going to going to acquire them again, which means He's going to make it clear to everybody that that these people are His people, and He's going to bring them back to His land. Verse twelve: Venasa Nesla Goyim, He will lift up a banner to the nations. Veosaf Nidchei Yisrael, He will gather the banished of Israel. On a futsay Yehuda Yikavets, and the scattered of Judah, He will gather them in, from the four corners of the earth. Verse 13, the jealousy or the envy of Ephraim, which is a name for the ten tribes, will be gone, will be removed. And the enemies, or those that are hostile to Judah, will be cut down. Ephraim will no longer be envious of Judah will not oppress or persecute Ephraim. In other words, in the days of the prophet Isaiah, there were two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There was generally friction between them, conflict between them. It started with the king of the ten tribes, Yeravim ben Nevat, being jealous of the Davidic kingdom, being scared that the loyalty of the people is deeper runs deeper towards the Davidic kingdom and his own kingdom, and he was jealous of that. And Judah responded with hostility. The fact that they rebelled made made the Judean king, Rechavam, upset and uh, you know ready to go to war with the northern kingdom. So all that, all that conflict and friction will be gone. We see here clearly is that Judah and Ephraim, the two kingdoms, will, will be there in the Messianic age, but they'll be joined together. Others understand this as a reference. It's not. It's, a, it's not a different understanding. It's maybe a different level. Is that this? This refers to the concepts of the king from the tribe of Joseph, the Messiah, son of Joseph, Messiah, son of David. That there will be government in both houses, but with peace between them. Va'afu means that it's a similar word to flying. They'll move hastily. They'll move quickly with one shoulder towards the Philistines in the west, Yachtav Yavazu Espenekhad, and this is verse 14. Together they will plunder the children of the east, Edoim Mayav Mishleach Yadam, Edoim and Mayav will be where they send forth their hands, or this will be at the disposal of their hands, Uvne Amain Mishmatam, the people of Amain will be subjugated to them, will obey them. So this gives us to understand is that the united Israel will now move against their local enemies, the Philistines in the west, people in the east, which generally would be a reference to Aram, Assyria, Edom and Mayav, which was to the south and the southeast, Bnei Amain, all the further east, will belong to them. Problem is that we described earlier in the chapter how everything will be peaceful. Not only will be peace amongst human beings, there will be peace amongst the animals. And here we have conflict between Israel and her local uh, neighbors. So first of all, we want to point out, is the commentators point out, is that we're not talking about a conflict, worldwide conflict. It's all local. 
all these nations that we're talking about over here are around the land of Israel. This is the land that was promised to Abraham in Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, 10 lands were promised to Abraham. The, the, the land, the the lands of ten nations were promised to him. When Joshua went into the land of Israel, he was only given the land of seven nations. So the fullness of the promise to Abraham will be fulfilled at this point. So these nations will be moved out of their land, and Israel will inherit that. According to this, it doesn't have to mean that there's a actual war, but the fact that these nations will be moved out of their land, and it, Israel will be taking possession of their land is referred to as plunder and disposal of their hand, obedience to them. The point is, is that Israel will take over their land, but doesn't have to mean with a conflict and with a war. Others would understand this is that we, we there are other prophecies, for example, in the book of Zechariah, uh, which describe, or in the book of Ezekiel, which describe battles taking place in the Messianic age. And we understand that the fulfillment of the prophecies it takes place in various stages. And earlier in the chapter, when it described peace on earth, it was describing a later stage. And this verse over here, verse 14, is describing an earlier stage. So there's another way to understand this, this verse. Verse 15. Vehecherim Hashem. Hashem will destroy or remove. Es l'shain yam Mitzrayim. The tongue of the sea of Egypt. Vehein fyadai ala He'll lift his hand against the river with the strength of his spirit. He will smite that river into seven streams. He will put it down in a way, or he'll put paths over there that you can walk on it, on the river, with your shoes. In other words, the river will be passable on dry land. So in other words, th- these are describing two areas, Lashonia Mitzrayim, the, the, the Sea of Egypt, which is not very clear, but it's certainly in the south part of the land of Israel. The Nahar, whenever it says the river without specifying, it's talking about the Euphrates, which is northeast of Israel. And God will act against both of these bodies of water, and he will make it as crossable. He will make it as th- that people should be able to pass on foot across these bodies of water. Verse 16, Vaisa Mesila. It shall be a path for the remnant of his nation, Asher Yishar Asher, that remains from Assyria, Kasher Haisali Israel, just like it was to Israel, Biyayim Aleisa Me'eretz Mitzrayim on the day that they went up from the land of Egypt. In other words, just like when they went out from Egypt, there was a miracle of the splitting of the sea towards the beginning of their journey in the desert, and then God dried up the Jordan River. They come into the into the land of Israel, crossing the Jordan River on dry land when they came out of the land of Israel, and God performed these miracles of drawing up bodies of water, allowing Israel to pass through on dry land, so too will it happen in that Messianic age when God will dry up these bodies of water, that means the river, the, the Sea of Egypt in the south, and the Euphrates River in the north, to allow the Jewish people to come in on dry land. Chapter 12, verse 1. This chapter describes the song of Israel in that Messianic age. And you shall say on that day, this is the prophet addressing the people of Israel, I will thank you, God, that you have shown me your anger, or that you were angry with me. Your anger turns back, and you comfort me. On a simple level, this means Israel is not thanking God for the anger. They're saying, I thank you, God, that 
even when you were angry at me, but your anger turned back and you comforted me. Another interpretation is no, that now that Israel went through the experience of the exile and they realized that God put them into exile to refine them for their benefit, for the benefit of mankind, so they'll thank God for the anger as well. Verse 2 continues what Israel will say on that day. Hine, behold, Kale Yeshuasi, the God of my salvation. In other words, they'll be able to point, this is the God of my salvation. Later in the book we have, later in the book of Isaiah, we have it as Israel will be able to point and say, this is our God, which means say that the manifestation of God's presence will be open and obvious. Evtach v'le'evchad, I will trust, I will be secure, and I will have no fear. Ki ozi v'zimras ko Hashem. This phrase is almost exactly the same in the book of Exodus, in the Song of the Sea, chapter 15 in the book of Exodus. The commentators have two ways of interpreting it. Rashi's way of interpreting it is as follows. Because my strength and the song of God, Vaihili Lishua, was to me for salvation. In other words, the strength of God and the song of God, that is my salvation. I, I, I take security in God's strength and God's song. The song meanings God's plan, the totality of what God is trying to accomplish, and that is what gives me strength and what gives me salvation. Another way of interpreting this verse, which is Unculus uh, back in the book of Exodus, is that the my strength and my so- and my song is God. My song and my strength is God, the Lord, and He was to me for salvation. God was for salvation. So again, the two ways of reading this is the strength and the so- song is it God's strength and God's song is my salvation, or my strength and my song is God and God was my salvation. Those two ways of reading the verse. Verse three: You this is now the prophet turning to the people and telling them, and you will draw water with joyfulness, with, with happiness, from the wellsprings of salvation. One way of understanding this on a simple level of understanding is that now that the salvation will be there, then they'll be drawing water. I mean, it says that they'll live their lives and drawing from the happiness of life, there'll be constant joy. Another way of understanding this, the Targum over here understands it, is that the water over here is a reference to understanding of God's law, of God's will, and drawing water is a reference to a deeper understanding, and being that they'll be in the land, in a place where the, where God, where the presence of God is manifest, and there's total peace, and there's nothing to disturb them, they'll have gained, constantly gained deeper and deeper insight into God's law, God's will, God's word, and that experience of gaining this deeper insight will be an experience of constant joy. And that's the water, the drawing with joy from the wellsprings of salvation. Verse 4 goes back to the song of the people, what the people will be saying. You'll say on that day, is acknowledge or praise God, call in His name. His name means what God stands for in this world is His name. He stands for justice, kindness, and truth, morality. And call out in His name, make it make His deeds known amongst the nation. In other words, Israel is calling upon itself to teach the nations about the deeds and the works of God. 
speak about his name or mention his name, Kinnisqav Shemoy. Tell tell the people that his name is exalted, that God's name is above everything that exists. Zamru Hashem, sing to God, Kigeos Asa. He has he has accomplished. He has done things that are high and mighty. This is something that should be known throughout the earth. In other words, this knowledge, what God granted to us by doing these great and wondrous works, is something that is, it's, it, all of mankind should know this. And now the prophet turns back to the people, verse 6, and he says, Tzahali varaini. Tzahali is rejoice, be jubilant, varaini is sing, and another word for happiness, Yeshevas tziyayin. You who dwell in Zion, it, he who is in your midst is great. Yisrael, the Holy One of Israel. So this could be understood even now. Is the prophet is turning to the people in his day and age, and he's telling them, "Listen, I just gave you this prophecy, this unbelievable prediction and and vision of the future of this glorious age in which all mankind is serving God." So you. The Jewish people now, you dwell in Zion today, should rejoice because if you think about it, you realize you are in this covenant with the Holy One of Israel and you have this great one dwelling in your midst. This should be your joy and your happiness. Another way of understanding this is that at that point, Israel will appreciate their relationship with God and God's presence being manifest in their midst and they'll be in a state of constant joy.